What's the plan? What the hell am I supposed to know? You're the leader. You're supposed to be decisive. And I've decided that you should eat a big bag of dicks. If this whole beach was completely covered in dicks, and somebody said I'd eat every dick until the beach was clean for liberty, I would say no problem. Why would someone put penises all over the beach? Who knows why madmen do what they do? Garbage in, garbage out. Hello, hello, all you gigalos. Welcome to Garbage In, Garbage Out. I'm your host, Kelton, and I'm joined, as always, by my amazing co-host, Grift. How's it going, buddy? It's good. Uh, you know, still still locked in the shop. Uh, we got the we got the New York City move coming up next week, so uh, looking forward to this podcast turning into a uh, elite versus uh, uh, Texas, I guess, <laughs> rivalry. Hey, no, we, we can just say East Coast versus Gulf Coast. It's okay. Uh, we'll meet up in Florida in the true sign of compromise at some point and uh, work through our differences. But uh, joining us this week for the uh, season two finale of Gigo is Grim from the Greatest Depression Project. Grim, how's it going? Great. How are you doing? Uh, you know, li- life could always be better. I'm fascinated, though, by the name of your project. Would you mind telling us a little bit about it? Yeah, it's going to be a deep dive on different aspects of the Great Depression. Uh, a lot of citations going through history, kind of aiming for something dense uh, and and produced um, awesome. more than casual talk. So just to, meant to keep 30 minutes to an hour to keep people's attention for as long as I would really want them to. It's interesting because I think whenever people are covering uh, topics of history, especially that have a real importance that uh, it's, it always blows my mind. The people that are able to devote actual time, energy and resources towards legitimate research instead of my kind of fuck around happy hour attitude towards it, because uh, my brain is just incapable of taking anything uh, genuinely and being able to do any good work with that. So I have to commend you on that. Uh, that's why we invited you on to this dumb movie podcast. So uh, my apologies in advance. No, this is great. Awesome. Awesome. Well, this week uh, we are going to be talking about James Gunn's and DCEU's The Suicide Squad, not to be confused with the 2016 Suicide Squad. Uh, this one is... Uh, 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 not sequel but a sequel the basic premise of it is that harley quinn bloodsport peacemaker and a bunch of other people from the bell rev prison join uh task force x aka the suicide squad they're dropped off onto this enemy infested island called corto maltese to destroy a nazi era laboratory that holds a secret experiment known as project starfish gee i wonder what starfish could stand for uh who who's to know um but uh yeah that that, i mean it's kind of uh what you saw in the trailers is exactly what you're getting with the movie so i don't feel like we're sold a false bill of goods here what did y'all think about the film i thought it was definitely a uh, calculated use of like the dc uh, visual aesthetics um, with like definitely uh, heightened up to an R rating compared to their normal superhero universe stuff, but and then just sort of fed through the Marvel uh, 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 character quip machine. 
Um, I, I know Kelton, you had done some documentation on like just how many of the crew of the production in pretty much all the different areas like there it's it's just pretty much all it, it's all coming up marvel L- listen <laughs> man you know i i didn't want to be that guy but like the second i was like i wonder who the cinematographer is huh i wonder who the editor is huh costume design makeup second unit art director production design set decorations oh my god it's all marvel he just cherry-picked people either directly from guardians of the galaxy or from other marvel movies movies uh that, that have come out recently and so it's it just blows my mind because yeah this is this is uh, a marvel movie that has the dc reskin over it uh yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yep yep that, uh, and then no, that's, that's, that's okay. pretty much it yeah no need yep. for any more podcasts we all uh, right thanks uh, everyone no. time for yeah. plugs yeah. <laughs> there is a little bit of like bad 70s action but a lot of the bad elements of said bad 70s action was transported into it as well i know gun has talked about this movie as being an homage to 70s war movies and I hate when people use that terminology, especially in the superhero subgenre, because maybe you had like one shot that was kind of an homage, but I, I didn't get really a 70s war movie vibe from it whatsoever. I've also seen people describe this as like a big budget trauma movie, and I also didn't think that it was a trauma I didn't movie. Get that vibe. No, no. I mean, I thought that there were certain James Gunn isms in it, but it wasn't anything particularly unique. I thought, uh, oh, wow, that the whatever it's called, the admin people have a personality. It would be great if I hadn't already seen these exact character types in the cabin in the woods, but you know, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. I guess. Um, yeah, I, I literally wrote down in my notes about the betting scene, uh, betting cabin in the woods. Cause it was literally pretty much the exact same office dynamic of the, um, of, of the deep state in this case, like the sort of, uh, um, super villain, bad guy containment, uh, like branch of the u.s uh expanded u.s military <laughs> intelligence <laughs> like uh, uh branches that would uh result from like you know superheroes being in the world <laughs> um yeah so it was it, it felt a lot of, of like both like sort of making fun of the incompetent deep state but also just casually having the suicide squad do a Pretty much just like a uh, Mi Lai massacre of a village <laughs> when they <laughs> when they it's when a they comedic go, beat yeah. though. Come on, yeah, yeah. it's good. It's like um, wasn't the point of the the seventies and eighties war movies when the characters did that it was like, whoa, this is fucked up. But here it's like this is funny. They're, they're yeah. just walking through, and he's like stabbing a sleeping guy multiple times up the abdomen with a knife. Like, oh, this is this is a comedic bit. Yeah. Oh, oh well, you see, that's actually the trauma somehow. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> having my cake and eating it too. Um, so, I, I guess to to before we dive into the actual plot, to give a little bit of backstory here, as we all know, James Gunn directed Guardians, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy one and two. He's going to be directing three. Uh, meanwhile, DC's original Suicide Squad movie was directed 
I air quotes around that a little bit by David Ayer, who released a s- finished project to DC, who then submitted his movie to the trailer company that cut the first trailer for Suicide Squad. And they said, hey, how about you re-edit this? They did. And then they said they needed 10 weeks of reshoots. And then David Ayer was forced to do that. Uh, he wasn't happy about it. Uh, what came out as a result was that bastardized version uh, uh, of kind of serving two masters, a bit of massive tonal shifts. And then he subsequently got booted from the sequel to Suicide Squad and as well as the Gotham City Sirens project, which, of course, became Birds of Prey. And meanwhile, James Gunn was uh, getting fired by Disney because uh, a troll campaign by Mike Cernovich was talking about how James Gunn was a pedophile. Do we remember that? Yep. Uh, It it really worked out well. I love a troll campaign that just instead gets a director another movie deal. Congratulations. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. talk about putting less conservatives in uh in in, in, in hollywood <laughs> like seriously didn't didn't exactly uh the the grift did not pan out there as no and as as we've seen out, yeah. especially with how james gunn's comments have aged as he's going and doing pressers and he's our dc is not tying into the disney mandates the way that marvel certainly does so he's saying these like stupid fucking things like trying to pick fights with martin scorsese and then talking about how like no one actually watches movies really in theaters they remember their home viewing experiences instead it just just uh, a whole bunch of stuff that is uh uh, I don't know. The best comparison I have is like uh, watching Tom Brady when he was with the Patriots versus Tom Brady in Tampa of where like it's two very different people. One is like much more loose and is willing to shoot from the hip and say just dumb, cringy things. Well, he, he won Super Bowls in both places. So hey, he, shut up he, about that. Yeah, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah here, here he uh, got to do the Marvel movies and then he got uh, fired over. I, I guess like cancel culture comes and, and eats eats the left's own alive because <laughs> is it, that seems like to be the pattern of these troll campaigns. It's to like incite the Wokies into uh, running someone out of uh out of you know access to to production capital and uh if like i i really didn't pay much attention to it when it was going on at the time like i remember seeing it on the the various uh trending topics or whatever like oh this this person who's worked on marvel is getting canceled because of old tweets or something yeah. uh, but like it just sort of thinking about it from a from what they're grand strategy of it is like they were trying to like the the the, the right wing uh I guess like accounts that were spreading it, they weren't going to cancel it, cancel them by their own actions. It was like inciting a a woke mob into taking them down. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they were trying to just be the spark that would light something up. And then it did for like a day and a half. And then Disney panicked and then they, they fired them. And then they like, uh, like a month later, they were like, we're so sorry, please come back. Please direct Guardians of the Galaxy 3, babe. We, we didn't mean it. It's okay. You, you, you just had like some edgy tweets. It's okay. I forgive you. You're, you're just a podcaster at heart. It's fine. You didn't mean to say those slurs. <laughs> they got mad at James Gunn for the one time he was funny. 
yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We've seen what like new James Gunn thinks is funny, you know. Uh, Harley Quinn saying '69 and having oh. "Live Fast, Die Clown" on her jacket. Like, yeah, wow, oh, this is great. Um, it real like 2014 Deadpool humor, I think. Yeah, I've written down in my notes like 69, like several times just across the top of the page. Like I'm fucking <laughs> Jack Nicholson typing out the same thing over and over again. But just in, in, in response to like, oh, this is this is the level of humor we're going for here. Well, and, and it is weird because James Gunn has talked about how he wanted this movie to be different than Guardians of the Galaxy. And in fact, that uh, he's gone to say that uh, the teams couldn't be more different because one contains heroes that fight for good. And uh, the Suicide Squad, they're made up of villains and killers. And my, my main criticism of that is that if every villain has a tragic backstory and then it becomes a sympathetic character, you're not really keeping them as villains and killers necessarily, uh, especially if you're, you're just highlighting them where they're fighting bad guys, quote unquote. It also needs to be addressed that he's lying on the Guardians of the Galaxy end too. Like Quill is a friggin' thief. Uh, the rocket just kills people. That's his only real skill. Yeah. Like, how many? How many planets? Has, yeah. How many planets has Gamora genocided? Yeah. Exactly. Like, what's the over under on that? Like, uh, but my dad was mean to me one time, but now I'm good. <laughs> See, it's fine. Yeah, uh, it's it's funny how like you know Disney can propagate the normalcy of these violent narratives, yet like they feign weakness at a slightest like on, one day online kerfuffle over something someone who directed their incredibly financially successful project said. It's like yeah, yeah, like <laughs> the the disparity between that makes it either they're like really fucking stupid or they're playing a, a, like a grander game. There. They really thought like, well, who needs James Gunn? We have good old Joss Whedon. Yep, that's <laughs> right. Joss Whedon, person that we will be able to rely on until eternity happens. Yeah, no, uh, that is a true male feminist. They're they're not going to get canceled. If you got you got Joss Whedon in your corner with the with the T-shirt on, that's yeah. <laughs> he he never made pedophile jokes. Uh uh-uh, uh, not on Twitter. He just not did it. All. <laughs> yeah. He's a man of action. <laughs> oh man. I, I mean and I guess that is something to think about is that the uh as many faults necessarily as this movie has, I mean I still enjoyed it and I think it is capably shot. I thought the special effects department, you know, uh Weta Digital of knocked it out of the park again. Uh, for a lot of their character designs. So, uh, I, I mean, there's a lot to like about this movie. Um, and I have a feeling that in any other director's hands, I would have a lot more negative notes. And so um, my my issues with this film are mostly that it's created a blueprint that I, I think there's going to be a bunch of shitty knockoffs of. Similarly, like when uh, Tarantino first stepped onto the scene, uh, there were a thousand different knockoffs of him. Like, uh, what was that one movie? I think it was called like Pool Hall Junkies or something. Uh, it's about like a bunch of people in a pool hall, but they're all like working toughs. And then uh, it, it's just like slur, 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 misogyny, 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 but not in like the cooler, fun ways, but in the uh, like, I'm 
uh, living in the '90s, and I think I can get away with it. Yeah, like and so, when you when you boil down those those elements to just that, like it doesn't work. You need someone like Tarantino to like hone to hone them through to like refine it <laughs> in a in a in a way that uh, is like actually clever, as opposed to just like oh, I'm saying a slur. Oh, I'm I'm you know being using misogynistic humor. Like <laughs> there's yeah. a reason those are still funny, but it's gotta it's gotta actually have an inventive way to use it, just like. <laughs> any other form of humor <laughs> and in fact uh the, i've decided in my head as i was looking through the cast and crew because while the cinematographer uh or i believe cinematographer maybe the editor i forget at the moment but uh while they did do guardians of the galaxy they were also the person that uh did work on once upon a time in hollywood and so i choose to think that inside them lives two wolves and uh <laughs> one of them is a giant purple or blue space alien evil and then the other one is uh, Leonardo DiCaprio with a flamethrower. So uh, let's do it, I guess. <laughs> um, do you want to just like uh, rattle off, Kelton, just all of the connections between this and Marvel just to like hammer hone at like what, <laughs> what, what? Because like the, the list here in the docket is just like truly impressive. Just <laughs> yeah. I, I know, I know. I just kind of mentioned the positions beforehand, but yeah, I, I guess before we dive into the recap, let let's set the stage here. Uh, the director is, of course, James Gunn from Guardians of the Galaxy. The writer is James Gunn, Guardians of the Galaxy. Cinematographer from Guardians of the Galaxy. Editor from Guardians of the Galaxy. Costume design from Guardians of the Galaxy. Makeup from Guardians of the Galaxy. Second unit for anyone again who's unaware. I like to view this podcast as also a little bit educational for kind of being able to uh, look inside a movie and figure out the mechanics of it. Uh, the second unit, specifically the ones that were shooting the action scenes and things, uh, that is a mashup of people who are from Guardians of the Galaxy, Ant-Man, <laughs> Avengers Endgame, Captain Marvel, and Spider-Man Homecoming. So uh, j just a fun smorgasbord there. The art director came from Thor Ragnarok. The production designer came from Captain Marvel and set decorations came from Iron Man 3. So just a, just a fun time across the board, I think. And like, obviously, it's it's funny just how redundant that is, particularly with Guards of the Galaxy. Like, as far as like cape shit goes, like this is probably the best one I've seen in years. And, uh, you know, there, there were a lot of strong, relatively strong entries in, in the um you know, first wave of the, the Marvel canon. They're like, you know, Galaxy, Guardians of the Galaxy, that's a good movie. Like Thor Ragnarok, that's that's definitely like the best of the Thor movies by far. And oh my God, it actually yeah. has like inventive use of like, mu like uh, music with the characters and, and visuals. So you could definitely see the the DNA of all of those successes in this one. And that, that's why it's like, you know, this is like a technically competent, good movie. It's just, you know, you can, you can see the, the, the strings of the pieces it was assembled from. Um, yes. And yeah. one one way that was sort of like driven home was oh, oh, like the way they described James Gunn in the marketing as like from from the beautifully twisted mind of James <laughs> Gunn. It's like just like I mean, and, and now like like, you know, you 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 hate to do like the Twitter Avi like physiognomy check. But like if you look at his Twitter Avi, like this is a guy who's definitely you could like it's, it seems like he's up his own ass at that at at this point, <laughs> Com, like combined with what the marketing is saying there. Yeah, uh, yeah, but, he, he's he's not beautifully twisted. I would just say from the director of Guardians of the Galaxy comes 
an R-rated version of a DC take on Guardians of the Galaxy, and yeah. then just go. You, you know? know what it reminds me of? I had a I had a coworker who came up to me once, and I was listening to a, uh, a podcast or something in my office. They went into my office, they heard it, and they you know I hit pause, and they kind of laughed, and they were like, you know what? I'm in a re- some really sick shit too. And I was like, yeah, really? Like what? And they were like, you two and a half men. Wow, <laughs> like, that's the same vibe. <laughs> What yeah. were you listening to that he was like, I get real sick, twisted, two and a half men vibes from this? Uh, at what? the time, I think it was probably Jimmy Dore, honestly. It was like 2014, 2015. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Every Everybody's favorite uh, uh, podcaster on uh, Team Evil. <laughs> thrown around. It's like, yo, if you're if you're relating to like media personalities from afar on that, I mean this this is a whole other tangent, but on that you know sort of emotional level, like what are you, what are we doing here? <laughs> well, I, I think it was an old episode of comedy and everything else. It wasn't even political. It was just him like yeah. bullshitting with Todd Glass. What was that drill tweet that was like <laughs> from the sick twisted mind of the inventor of Dr Pepper or something? Yeah. <laughs> like, just. <laughs> it uh, works. It yeah, works. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yet again, the modern version of the Oracle of Delphi uh, is proven <laughs> correct. <laughs> uh, so I think now is as good a time as any, of course, for us to dive into the the recap of it, which um, one thing I'll say up top for anyone who's seen the movie and then uh, is listening to the recap and is thinking, hey, you got that uh, thing out of sequence. My response is, fuck you. No, I didn't. This movie has nine different eight minutes ago rewind the clock set pieces take place so i'm going full chronological with this baby probably probably the reason too people would would call you out on that is i just come in and just completely jump around just like we're we're <laughs> we're, we're starting the beginning of the recap and i'm jumping to like connecting it to themes at the end so uh i will i will uh hold myself accountable for my <laughs> for my responsibility here uh with <laughs> with that uh lack of uh linear uh dialogue i guess yeah i'm glad i'm glad we're taking the stand now uh with the suicide squad and not before with like the green knight or something a little bit more esoteric you know yeah. uh, it's, it's important that we're choosing when to pick our battles here um, <laughs> so uh yeah the suicide squad uh, which I think still should have been called Suicide Squad 2 or Newicide Squad or Tuicide Squad or, hear me out, another Suicide Squad. Ooh, you know, I, all those titles could have worked, I think, better. Um, how how about uh, Rebooticide Squad? Ooh, see? See? Uh, that I, I really like that one. But uh, I think if we get a third movie with a, yet another different Marvel director, uh, we'll probably go that route instead. <laughs> so yeah, because it's, we'll it's bombing at the box office, so they're probably going to reboot it a third time now. <laughs> hey, it can work, baby. We'll bring back Rick Flagg again. That's right. No <laughs> questions asked. He totally didn't uh, get stabbed in the heart. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so this thing starts as like a sequely non-sequel, so we get like 30 seconds of refresher, and we're immediately thrown into the story. So uh, I do enjoy how we're kind of hitting the ground running in that we see that there's a team of folks led by Waller's uh, subordinate Colonel Rick Flagg. They are uh, uh, hopping out 
onto the beach. There's a sequence like at, at the very, very beginning where we see Michael Rooker in prison while G uh, Johnny Cash's Folksome Prison Blues plays, which was just a real kind of hat on a hat moment for me. Because, uh, uh, man, you know, for someone who's known to have such a creative soundtrack, I thought, oh, okay, so this is what we're getting instead. We're just keyword name searching song titles to fit into the movie. Great. Um, but yeah, yeah, Michael Rooker is introduced as a bit of a badass of sorts. He uh, is there through the exposition. He uh, lands uh, or he goes up in the helicopter with them and they land on the beach and they they have to dive out of the helicopter and land in the water at night and then swim towards the island. Uh, just immediately, one of them drowns. Uh, it's Weasel. No one checked to see if uh, Weasel could swim. So I, I thought that that was just delightful, especially knowing that Weasel is played by Sean Gunn, who is James Gunn's brother. And so it's just nice to see that there's some family loyalty until the end. Yeah, I enjoyed all the comedic beats about how uh, just incompetent the deep state was. Like they just, you know, pluck Weasel out of uh, his cell. It's like, did it say like he ate like twenty something children? That's but, right. Yeah. So you know, the, either you know, just to, due to incompetence or the lack of uh, care for their prisoners, they're just gonna throw them out there. No idea whether you can swim or not. Just Im Im immediately drowns. <laughs> and, and you know. Uh, here's my follow-up question: What was Weasel gonna do? What? what, what <laughs> he was like, gonna eat people. He was gonna eat people in like the village that they just kill every man, woman, and child at. <laughs> like, <laughs> he, hey, I guess it uh, works. I, I'm just thinking, like, not a lot of innocent kids on that war-torn island. So, uh, best of luck to Weasel. Oh yeah, yeah, they were they were killing him regardless. Remember, uh, these are dangerous people. Oh, <laughs> I, I forget. That's right. Yeah. I don't know. One of them is played by Pete Davidson, so I couldn't really believe that they were that dangerous. Oh, no, not uh, not them. The, the the people on the island. Oh, yes, yeah, that's yeah. right. Cordo Maltesians. Cordo Maltesians, yeah. I, I, I love the DC fake countries still. <laughs> <laughs> that and the fucking Sokovia Accords over in Marvel. Just they're going to keep on. Uh, we're, we're rolling with it, huh? Just, I like to just, in in my head canon in my like alternate history head canon. I, I like to think that like uh, Cordo Maltese came about from like the Knights of Malta colonizing somewhere in <laughs> in, in 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 the Caribbean, and then uh, I mean they might and, as well yeah. have colonized the island. I mean it's like conquistadors with Cuba, you know. Yeah, like I was yeah. just thinking Cuba the whole time. Yeah, yeah. no, it, it was it was definitely like a Cuba stand-in, and then you know you you could have had uh, Buttigieg's dad be the uh, general. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's yeah. why there's no dogs on the island <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the 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 real marxist as the revolutionary general and then his uh his slick neoliberal son comes in and just gets just stabbed to death after uh, it, uh getting um like making a marriage proposal hey you know some people just can't handle rejection it's <laughs> the way it goes <laughs> um, so, uh, Pete Davidson, he plays Blackguard. He's apparently sold everyone out, though. He immediately gets shot in the face. I was like, hell yeah, take that, Pete Davidson, or whatever your character is called. I don't know. I just, I, I hate his whole shtick. So, I was, was so nice excited. You have yeah. no idea how happy it made me to be. Okay, good. I was good. like, no matter what, this movie is at least getting one star. Okay. 
<laughs> let's <laughs> let's keep the tally here as it goes. You got to um, see Pete Davidson's entire face blown off. Like that's that's at least uh, worth like the first ten minutes of streaming on HBO Max to see. Oh if my you like god, it. Yeah. yeah, the first ten yeah. minutes, which will only take you twelve and a half minutes to watch due to the stopping and starting that takes place on their goddamn TV app. Yeah, but, so. but if you watch it on their mobile app, it never crashes. So <laughs> I think we have to do a big eye emoji into uh, where they're pushing. Uh, uh, media consumption it's all it's all going smaller it's all going handheld uh yeah they 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 put their uh alpha team on the the, the mobile development <laughs> versus <laughs> fucking like bad news bears over on the uh on the web app side it's just so fun i i know people are probably tired of us shitting all over hbo max but uh my response to that is uh they're a multinational billion trillion dollar company Fuck y'all. Like, we're, we're going to have some fun at the fact that they can't program a basic app to run. So, yeah, they're, uh, they're one of the six corporate conglomerates that, like, control all media narratives. So excuse <laughs> us while we uh, go off on them for a bit. Yeah, their inability to hire good programmers has ruined many a Gossip Girl viewing for myself. <laughs> and even worse, it's the Gossip Girl reboot, too, where they're all woke and diversified and they're they're conscious about their privilege. Yeah, they they feel guilty. Yeah. <laughs> As oh, they fucking no. should. <laughs> I I hate that my dad is the CEO of this rich company, but I love money so much. I have a drug problem because of my guilt. Uh that's my struggle this season, I guess. That I have to overcome whatever. Fuck fuck the the whole premise of it. Um Gossip Girl, my struggle. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's that's the tagline for the second season of the reboot. <laughs> it's just it's, oh no. You know what? Not not gonna not gonna yeah. do it. I'm just saying instead of XOXO, it could just be HH uh over. <laughs> <laughs> just two lightning bolt emojis for like the social media campaign. HHSS. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Oh no. Gossip girl. Yeah. Uh, beautiful. Um, we're not even through like the the beach sequence here. Oh, it's it's going to be a fun episode. Um, so Mongal, who is in the comics, you know the the child of Mongol who can take on <laughs> Superman. She just gets wrecked by a helicopter that she tries to jump and bring down, and then the helicopter goes into the trees that you know Mashishka Bob's Captain Boomerang several thousand times, and then he uh, dies in the explosion. So R.I.P. to an alum. Uh, then we have the detachable kid played by Nathan Fillion, who has just the, the lamest superpower of all time. So that that's for the record. Two cannon, fo cannon fodder members of the team that now exist. So uh, good, good news on this elite squad. And then we have Javelin, who's played by one of those German guys who was in the Pitch Perfect movie. Who I, He has a Javelin. And the javelin is more of a character in this movie than he is, so that's a yeah. fun little trivia tidbit. Yeah, he he just ends up with like a chest full of bullets. Yeah, uh, yeah, ju just in time to give the uh, Chekhov's uh, javelin to Harley Quinn. It, it, you know, might as well just happen in this case. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Michael Rooker, who was introduced again as like this badass, he gets scared. He then tries to swim away. His head gets blown off. So there's our obligatory, like, I guess the bombs are real. The bombs do work here. Let's set the stakes. All right. Time to roll credits or, or roll whatever title card. There we go. That's the right term. 
Um, what what did we think uh, about the uh, redesigns with Rick Flag and Harley Quinn? Did y'all uh, like this version of them more, less? What's up? Uh, I just think that Harley Quinn could have something much better than "Live Fast, Die Clown" written on the the back of her uh, like jumpsuit thing. Like, come on! Like you, like you, you, you seriously have like a whole writer's room, and that's the best you can think of. I mean, you could even have a jacket that says "Joker" with it crossed out to then say "Joke Ass." Or something. I don't know. Yeah, that would uh, be a, a huge improvement. Just, again, that was right off the top. You don't have to pay me $185 million to come up with these designs. Uh, you know? Yeah, that, just, that, that that's a grift shop special right there. You know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> give me give me a couple hours Adobe Illustrator and an internet connection, and uh, <laughs> yeah, like you, you 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 have you have no idea where you're missing. I mean, I, I really like this version of Rick Flag. by the way. Uh, he, he just seemed like he was a little bit more jovial, and he was aware of being an action hero type. And so it didn't look like he was detoxing uh, from opioid addiction like <laughs> in the first movie. So. Yeah, I, I liked how they had the first group just march in front of like the gigantic American flag and then just immediately get their brains blown out. <laughs> it's symbolism, Grift. Yeah. Don't you understand the subtlety of it all? Yeah, uh, find the metaphor. Uh, but no, like it, it, that was that was definitely an, an effective sequence, and like I, I enjoyed that, uh, like uh, like entrance fake out because like oh oh this is the Suicide Squad we're getting introduced to you know they have the the uh, heartfelt or uh, sort of revealing of vulnerability moment for the, for the guy with like the long blonde hair who gets his head blown off. Just like, Oh, he's trapped in his cell. He's an outcast. He's throwing his ball and killing birds. Cause he's lashing out at the world. And then just immediately gets his head blown off to, uh, to, to establish that, that the uh, deep state, you know, while they may be incompetent, they aren't fucking around here. <laughs> no, you have to serve as the cannon fodder because that's what we find out that they actually are. That this Suicide Squad, uh, Team A, is the diversion for Plan, uh, not Plan, but Team B to take over. And uh, Team B is, of course, Bloodsport, Peacemaker, King Shark, Polka Dot Man, and Ratcatcher 2. So they, they all arrive out. Uh, and so let's kind of do a brief rundown of these characters as, as we go through them here. Um, Bloodsport, played by Idris Elba, uh, has probably one of the coolest action suits I've seen uh, that takes place. I don't know if you uh, ever read any comics involving Bloodsport, but like his power is that he can manifest weapons. And so the fact that they incorporated that by having just a, an ultra high tech suit that starts off with like some really cool, sophisticated weapons, and then slowly as the movie progresses, gets more and more whittled down in, in t what it is capable of. Uh, I thought that that was uh, a fun little touch for his Ooh, character. I, I did not notice that. I was not paying attention on that level, but uh, I'll I'll take your word for it there. That's, that sounds dope. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Grim? Yeah, totally. It, uh, it, the problem is it also reminded me a ton of the new Iron Man, like nanobot suit where the whole thing was just yeah, a mask yeah. and you slowly lose. Yeah, no, I, yeah, unfortunately <laughs> I was thinking like just, he should have an Iron Man suit at this point. Like, uh, and if he has one, why doesn't everyone have this exact suit? Like this suit could, could do a lot of good for a lot of people. 
but well that oh well. that ip uh is is um owned by marvel so yeah <laughs> yeah yeah uh, oh no we can't have anything that's similar to marvel that hasn't been oh, no. the story for 80 <laughs> fucking years can't 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 comics. officially do the same thing um yeah. <laughs> but like i'm have you have you seen that uh, graphic going around twitter where it's like who would win in a fight uh, optimus prime or iron man and it's just like a tiny little fucking iron man uh, like, <laughs> like, sorry, buddy. I don't, I don't, I don't think you're gonna be able to stand up to that one. No, he'll be okay. He'll, he'll survive. It'll be fine. Maybe unless he gets caught drifting in space, or uh, <laughs> he doesn't have a drink in hand, so he gets the alcohol shakes. Uh, but it'll be okay. Um, th- this character, by the way, of Bloodsport was uh, originally supposed to be Will Smith reprising his role as Deadshot. But then Will Smith, I forget what movie he was filming, um, but he wasn't able to do this movie. And so then that's kind of what made the way for Idris Elba to arrive. And then uh, John Cena plays Peacemaker, who I think is the most Captain America parody uh i that i've seen like he it seems like he's coming right out of like the 1980s captain america uh grimy movie that was made you know where he had the painted on ears on his helmet one no 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 uh that that dolph lundgren one was the punisher i'm talking about the one that starred jd salinger's kid oh yeah yeah okay yeah Yeah, he he was basically he was basically doing their version of homelander in this one yeah yeah i I mean and i think that it was a fun twist because of course having someone who is you know that out there and that much a believer in peace and liberty the line that that's going viral right now of course of like uh i will defend liberty i don't care how many men women and children i have to kill to protect it you know uh just just a a good good character line (laughs) (laughs) um originally the role was supposed to go to dave batista but batista was instead starring in another movie we've covered on uh gigo army of the dead so uh specifically a question for grift uh but grim of course would love to hear your thoughts is this a better fit or would you rather see the roles reversed uh i think it would have been really interesting to see him in the like he basically like plays like the homelander but mashed up with the actual captain america because he he, because homelander like that character is just a fucking twisted uh like outwardly uh affected by his uh deep like sexual fetishes character you know like his like this was a much more like emotionally restrained version of that like Amer- like all american killing machine that th- th- that <laughs> this sort of character is like sort of serving in in these different uh like movies and series cuz they're they're obviously poking fun at like american empire and and uh are uh, y- y- like ubiquitous violence around the world but like it, it's it, to 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 have that be dave batista who's like a um, you know, he would, he would come across as someone as like a, like Hispanic, uh, 
person in that role, which I think like I think would do a lot more interesting things than like he was sort of a placeholder in Army of the Dead. Like I feel like you could have swapped him out with someone else and it would have been given the same impression. But like yeah, I like I think him his you know actor in that role would probably 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 lead to more uh, talk and uh, and buzz than just sort of like John Cena doing Marvel quips and like standing in his underwear. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, John Cena is looking good. It's nice to see, by the way, when like two years ago we were all ripping into John Cena when that photo of him in the polo and the jean shorts came out and we were like, what the fuck? Why is he looking like this these days? Oh, it's for a movie he's doing. Okay. Well, uh, my apologies to my past comments that were made about John Cena's lack of style. <laughs> Uh, lot to learn i think um okay let's see oh king shark of course who doesn't love knockoff groot played by sylvester stallone congratulations what what a role yeah well what if groot ate people in their sleep (laughs) is yeah uh, it's sort of r r rated uh dc twist on that marvel premise you know and and i thought you know if, if if you have the formula from Guardians of the Galaxy, no need to change it, you know? Like, yep. let, let's not mess with it too much. Uh, one thing, this is a, a little bit polarizing, at least for me, was uh, Polka Dot Man, how he has these new powers in the movie versus what he has in the comics, but he has a lot more mommy issues in this movie, and so I think it, it kind of counterbalances each other, my thoughts. What do we think about this this character? Uh, I don't really have any other frame of reference for this guy. Like this is the first time I've seen him appear in a piece of media. So, Oh really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, um, Grim? uh, yeah, I read them in the comics and to be honest, I thought it was kind of it for the screen. It was much better. To, yeah. Yeah. Like I had so much fun with the faces being overlaid on top of everything as part of his illness. Yeah, yeah, that was that uh, was great. Like that that was that was something new they did there. The, the fact of like, oh, it was hard for me to kill them until I viewed them all as my mom. Then <laughs> it was easy. Just like, oh, oh my god, yeah. There's a lot to unpack there in that. And then the the smash cuts, of course, when he's in the jungle, sees everyone as his mom. The dance sequence from his perspective, where everyone <laughs> is his mom. Uh, then the, the of course the the climax where it's a giant fifty foot tall version of his mom. Uh, that poor actress, by the way. Like, what do you think the casting call was for that? Uh, seeking middle age looking just real bitch of a woman, just <laughs> just someone who looks like uh, they're gonna fuck up their kid developmentally is uh, what what we're looking for. Yeah, we're we're basically looking for the woman, uh, like a uh, character model of all the women in uh, like Far Side cartoons. <laughs> <laughs> very very unfortunate to be uh, to be at a point in your life where you're answering those casting calls. Hey, but, but hey, it might if, open if the door. It, yeah, if you're doing it for the love of the game, then uh, more more power to you. Again, <laughs> uh, yeah, it might open the doors for a, a live action Courage of the Cowardly Dog movie, and then you know, oh, yeah, congratulations, you, could, you got your mirror. Right there, you could get digitally inserted into the uh, Clifford movie whenever it comes off the shelf. Oh, hey, hey, hey! They pulled it from uh, the Cannes Film Festival, so I'm not sure uh, their their confidence in this movie is critical, darling Clifford. So we'll see, we'll see. Um, that movie's gonna be a real piece of shit. I'm glad we that better we're not, not fucking watch it. it. 
Yeah. No. Yeah. No. We're, God, no. We're, we're, we're turning the page, moving on to new seasons where uh, Clifford, yeah. the possibility of watching Clifford, like, isn't even on your mind. That's right. That's famous last words we say as it then takes over. <laughs> the number one grossing film of all time. Truly a revelation. Scorsese and Tarantino's number one film of 2022. <laughs> sweeping the Oscars. <laughs> um, so uh, the last character on the board, we have Ratcatcher 2, who uh, is the child of Ratcatcher 1, who is played by Taika Waititi. So I guess that was the arrangement. Taika Waititi was like, I'll let you have my art director if you let me be in this movie instead. Oh, Come totally. On. Let's make it happen. Um, give me just a quick cameo. Let me show I can be a dramatic actor in vignettes as I'm a heroin addict. <laughs> but, did did uh, you see all the people who were commenting on how amazing his improv was, like supposedly? No, I did. It was I did very clearly see. them trying to get in his next movie. Like, <laughs> right. it was the best. Like, what improv? Like, yeah, exactly. I, I, I need to wonder. He doesn't have anything more than like one line at the very end. And then it's like, wow, I love the way how you were able to, I don't know, cuddle with that nine-year-old girl, Taika Waititi. A lot of improv in that scene, huh? What, what What's the story there? Hey, Go respect the it, yeah. people. If it. If it takes uh, sending out an army of corporate bots on social media to praise someone's performance, uh, you know, I think you kind of got to respect that grift on some level. <laughs> uh, I mean, I... I I don't know, man. I, I just couldn't really get behind Ratcatcher 2. Um, I, I forget her name in the film, but they call her Ratcatcher 2. Um, I mean, I, it just, I understand that she is kind of um, the, the heart and soul of the film, so to speak, but none of the, the pathos was really being sold on me. I, and I wasn't able to really kind of um, resonate with me like when she's talking about how oh and then i came to america the land of opportunity and then i immediately robbed a bank with rats and they put me away can you believe it and i'm like yeah actually i kind of can like they, they you got fucking javelin man in bell rev so why not you person who can form a kaiju of rats basically you know, she was she, she was the character they used to shit on like late millennials and Zoomers with, like oh yeah. she she uh. sleeps all the time, she's fucking dirty living in rats, uh like she she definitely killed like she didn't she say like oh it used to be me and my dad and the rats and then her dad just disappears, like yep. she she definitely killed him with the rats. Like, oh no, he died of a heroin overdose. Oh you, you saw, okay, no, you saw I, the. He had the oh, needle yeah, yeah, in his yeah. arm and all that. And oh, so I, th you know. I think I was too focused on the rats. I'm, I'm just going to assume the rats were somehow involved. No, nah, I mean, the rats definitely ate him. You yeah. know, Let, oh, let's be sure. real yeah. about that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> There's a real reason that that Sebastian guy, uh, that that rat is loyal to Ratcatcher 2. <laughs> you have a blood oath. <laughs> just yeah. like, I'm sorry for eating your dad. <laughs> I'm so yeah. sorry. Um, blood blood bonded <laughs> yeah, making a blood bo bond over like eating your dad's flesh it's 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 fucking brutal um so then we get to the scene of course of where the uh the team b they have to go into the forest to go rescue rick flag and um 
as previously mentioned, there's the just the whole sequence of them going into a camp and just killing everyone pretty silently. Uh, just in brutal, brutal ways. Just shooting them, lighting them on fire, poison blow darts, uh, hacking them to bits in their sleep, all that fun stuff. It's uh it, it's what a way to go, right? Yeah, they're I mean they're they're probably never gonna answer to the Hague on this one. But and it's funny because it's it's never really addressed in the script. Like like obviously it's it's played for humor, but it's also like what they're doing is just like straight up massacring civilians on behalf of like a U.S. government agency. So exactly because like, they got bad intel and they thought that they were enemy combatants, but instead they uh, killed probably what 10, 12 people mm. all of a sudden in the camp. People mm, who have I, lives and families. It, if only like there was like a consequence that could be coming from this action. Yeah, I, I wonder what other conflicts in history uh, were engaged with by the by the U.S. and sold to people through uh, ba- the uh, bad intel. What what turned out to be? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know what comparisons you could be drawing, and you know, uh, it, it's okay. That that's why we don't need to be thinking about the other big thing, the 1980s project starfish that is taking place on the island uh yeah no not at all um actually probably before i get into that uh let's talk about harley quinn a little bit um because she kind of disappeared for a bit of this movie she pops back up because she's taken prisoner uh and then she goes and she visits the president she basically gets like her own mini movie in the middle of this thing uh did you did y'all get that impression as well yeah, it felt like yeah. a short they wanted to do somehow. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's it's plot armor in the best possible way because, you know, she is able to survive uh, not getting shot by the soldiers. Then she survives by being in the pit. Then the president wants to meet her. So then she survives that way. She then is able to hang out with them the whole day and have a couple of fun, you know, light, lovey sequences. Uh, and then she just uh, straights up kills the president of this country because she has uh, uh, bad boyfriend issues. That uh, she she saw a lot of red flags in this guy. Yeah, yeah you she know, saw I, the David Foster Wallace uh, books on the shelf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was he he had a Bukowski poem on his desk. Um, but uh yeah uh really uh went out of its way to uh endorse and codify uh uh traits of the uh toxic female uh so (laughs) james gunn do better (laughs) uh i mean it, it was interesting to see especially with her her action sequence as she's doing her escape just it highlighted the fact that she is kind of crazy and that she does have this mental break from reality where like the blood becomes flowers, becomes animated, becomes animated birds and things like that. The is surrounding her when she's like gunning down all of the soldiers. She's just like pooping flowers. They're just like coming out her, her, her back end, just propelling her down while she's like uh, machine gunning these guys down. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I wasn't going to use the word pooping. I was going to say it's like a, a Louisiana pontoon boat with uh, the water okay. kicking up, but you know, it's flowers instead. Yeah. Tease their own though. She, yeah. she was, yes, it was, it was spraying out from her from behind. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, I, I mean, it just kind of was one of those things of where I think they were trying to keep Margot Robbie happy because the last thing they want is a upset Margot Robbie because uh, then they wouldn't have any of that sweet, sweet Harley Quinn merchandise. Yeah, like, well, she, she was a character, you know, she, she her character is well established within the DC universe because it's relatively popular and it's made money for them. So like, that's the one that they keep around. Like if from the original suicide squad, like if another character had been the hit, that's the one that would be getting included in the reboots five years later. You hear that? Jai Courtney. You thought thought captain boomerang was a uh, successful hit. Not big enough. You son of a bitch. Yeah. Like imagine like they thought he, he initially thought that they were bringing him back uh, for the whole movie. Because of how oh, popular yeah. his character was, and then just gets murked in the first scene. Just oh my god! The oh, script, finding that, that out. <laughs> I, I think she was created, by the way, in the animated series. I think it's she the same was, deal she there. Was. Yeah. So she just um, became a hit, and they were like, "Oh, I guess we're gonna put this in the comics." Then you know. Yeah, I mean, and again, I I do like a lot of the the Harley Quinn aspects to it. One thing I I'm still waiting on the DCEU to do is to highlight that Harleen Quinzel is not actually her real name. That's just the name that she believes that she had because that's what Joker told her her real name actually was, you know? Um, and so, like, her, I, for, she has a very normal, like, real name. At least that's what's been explored in the comics. And so um, that, I would like to see that level of kind of uh, analysis being taken forward with the character in terms of, like, digging a little deeper into the trauma beyond, like, oh, man, I had a real bad boyfriend. That's why I got to kill this guy because... No, I think who could imagine what our worlds would have been like together. You know, it it just felt a little too surface level, uh, at least. Yeah, a lot. A lot of the movie felt like it was made and produced around memeable gifts. And I feel like Mm. Harley Quinn saying like, yeah, I've started a new process of just murdering anyone who gives me a red flag. That really felt like like that was meant to be. a Yeah, that's going to be in a lot of Twitter bios. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. A lot of fine uh, t- text, uh, Tinder copy. profiles. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. People are removing the Cruella quotes and putting in the Harley Quinn quotes as we speak. Yeah, I, I was let- just thinking about Cruella, like you know, like obviously, like to return to shows that we or like things that we've done on this show before. Um, like, there's no way Cruella gets greenlit by Disney if the Harley Quinn character in DC like wasn't like one of the only successes from that first suicide squad movie oh yeah um, there's no way she even has like yeah i, I mean my god yeah uh, i i shudder to think at what other projects emma stone would do with disney probably like maleficent three or something instead oh well um what are, oh, we, uh, I, uh, go what, ahead go ahead no i was just saying like what are what are some other uh classic uh evil Disney Disney villains uh, who are women who you could do like a sympathetic anti-hero Minnie movie Mouse. About. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the, Just the, the the mom from Cinderella. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your evil and hot stepmother. Oh no, 
Disney going for the hard R rating. <laughs> yeah, they, well, that's that's why uh, DC is going to do that one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're gonna they're gonna rip off that IP. Uh, the next objective that the Suicide Squad has is, of course, capturing the Thinker, who is the guy who's in charge of Project Starfish, and that's played by Peter Capaldi in probably the best kind of bald wig of where it just clearly looks like a wig and it also has a bunch of light bulbs sticking out of it. So uh, good times all the way through. What did we think about him? I, I thought he was k- killing it. Just cash those checks, man. Yeah, pretty much. I do enjoy that the the main bad guy in the eyes of the United States uh, foreign military apparatus is a guy who's known as the thinker. That is kind of inherently funny. Well, you know, I I would love to see like what uh, Ben Shapiro has to say about this movie. <laughs> yeah, uh, like- they're they're really engaging in uh, tropes there. Um, <laughs> but uh, like it was the the whole the whole uh, project Jodenheim, I think was the was the name the code name for the uh, or or like or, or like that was the 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 tower name, right? Yeah, of, yeah. of the of the base there. It was it was funny because you know obviously this this uh, Cordo Maltese country it's supposed to be a stand-in for Cuba, but Cuba wasn't actually the one like developing the nuclear weapons, which is like the obvious metaphor parallel if we're going with that like historical comparison. Like they were like it's it it was like a combination of the of the classic uh, you know the the evil dictator a la like, you know Saddam Hussein or Gaddafi or someone is developing weapons but let's but, but let's put it on cuba like let's let's put it on <laughs> let's let's put it on the the the, the island in the caribbean with a, a revolutionary military dictatorship i don't know uh, uh or maybe you know being what is it france that was doing all the nuclear testing in the philippines uh you know just uh yep. whoops sorry our bad yeah on that. <laughs> here's 36 dollars and the pat on the back don't, don't don't get too much fallout from it y'all will be fine um, it, it was, I think, kind of a, the first sign that maybe there might be other factors at play so that then as the thinker is guiding the team into the, the laboratory um, and then the, the big reveal is that it's actually, you know, Project Starfish is the giant Starro, the Conqueror, and um, instead it's uh, the U.S. that's been funding this project and so they're not really there to stop it so much as to get rid of any evidence of u.s involvement in this and so i i see like a lot of people that are talking about like oh man this movie is so based and like this movie has great politics and um you know i i i do think that uh i don't know how to put it exactly but i think that although that might be true, it seems to be incredibly surface level. Like, oh, wow, the government has a bad international foreign policy? <laughs> Who could have known? Whoa, that's so groundbreaking. You know, it, it's been a thing for a while now. Yeah, like the, the U.S. deep state is uh, conducting foreign operations and doesn't care about loss of life. Like, what a, what a revolutionary message there. Um, yeah. and, and like, it's just like, at, at this point, we've seen these, you know, very surface level criticisms of um, US hegemony and empire, like just over and over again in these media productions. So it's like, it, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter if it has good politics. And like, I, like, I would totally agree with you. Like, they're definitely very surface level and weren't, well, weren't saying anything new and, and like propagating some 
some narratives that I'm sure uh, I, if I throw my like panopticon meter on, I would be giving several eyeballs. <laughs> well, I mean, and the the thing, especially I would want to mention is that before we start praising this movie for its good politics, we should probably analyze the fact that uh, HBO Max is already greenlit the John Cena led James Gunn directed peacemaker tv series that is going to be taking place and so um i have a feeling that we're probably going to get an idea of like oh look at how ridiculous it is but he will still be our protagonist that we will empathize with and so we'll actually find out that like sometimes you got to do the the bad dirty work to make it all possible it, that you gotta compromise you can't be such an idealist all the time it's interesting because they're, I think we were talking about a little before, but they're playing this like double game with his character where they're saying very surface level criticisms, like, uh, like of the sort of um, Hippocratic, like, like double speak of, of that justifies American power and American empire. Like with the, with the um, quote that's, that's, that's getting memed a bunch that you mentioned earlier, but at the same time, he's this like sort of, very emotionally cut and dried Captain America figure who is relatively sanitized enough that you could make like an entire, almost like feel good TV show about. And, and you could, which is, and this kind of ties right into the next plot development here that we find out that Peacemaker is under secret orders to cover up America's involvement and flag gets upset saying that he doesn't want to be a pawn of the country and is trying to, to release the hard drive evidence. Uh, and so Peacemaker ends up killing Rick flag. Um, I think though, that a better twist would have been if Peacemaker said what that can't be the case. I need to, we need to release this to the public. Like he's so dogmatic, but he, you know, it's to Liberty first and then to country that, and then you could have Rick flag be the one who then says, actually, you know, I I'm part of a fail safe. Should anything happen that we need to blah, blah, blah. Um, that, and like that, we've, we've seen that plot conundrum used in like the original Watchmen, like, right. book. yeah, like, it's, I mean, I it's just the felt same. Like there yeah. Was, there's like nothing new there. Like, I just felt like it was cowardice to then not have Rick flag turn into the secondary villain. But I think it would have mm. been an interesting twist to have. Yeah. Or just both still, of them. Well, I mean, you guys still have them fight each other. Come on now. Like how, how are they going to fight each other? Well, Grim? I can fight everyone well, else. We got to sell the action figures, Grim. That's how it works. <laughs> Come on now. Yeah, That'd we, be ridiculous. We need them both to fight in a bathroom, like the end of uh, uh, Batman versus Superman. <laughs> you know, when you when you got those, it's the those. same soundstage. They just yeah. green tinted it instead. Yeah, <laughs> when, when you got we got those, uh, you know, two strapping male characters, it seems like they always want to make them fight in bathrooms. <laughs> <laughs> they find out they have the same mom's name as Polka Dot Man. <laughs> yeah, her, her uh, name is Karen. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, of course, of course. So, yeah, I, I get it. I thought that it, that might be a, a slight improvement, especially with the fact that then we are going to be getting a Peacemaker TV show anyway. That then, you know, you might as well then just kind of have him suddenly become quasi sympathetic. And then in the very next scene, you're going to have uh, Rick Flagg get into a, a, a Western style gunfight against Peacemaker. So uh, it, it, it's fine. It is what it is, I guess. Uh, I, I did like the callback in, in about smaller bullets. That was, that was a solid writing line. 
Um, I wasn't expecting it to come back to that in that way, but it did. So I, I got to give credit where credit's due. Uh, the th- yeah, the thing about uh, Chekhov's bullets is uh, you forget about them until <laughs> until they're actually shot. Yeah, everyone's talking about Chekhov's gun. No one ever talks about Chekhov's bullets. Huh? The real <laughs> important stuff here that's taking place. Um, so yeah, Starro, of course, is able to uh, break out as the explosives that they were setting up all around go off, but only go off about halfway. So then the thinker dies and uh, uh, Starro starts attacking uh, all of the army. You know, uh, uh, Peacemaker ends up getting shot. So then it, uh, Waller ends up informing the squad that actually their mission is now over. It's time for them to fly home, which... I'm not sure how they were going to get picked up with a giant starfish monster going around the island, but I I guess there's a way to get them retrieved. Yeah, the government will protect their assets now after the operation has been completed. And, you know, there's there's still need to uh, protect the civilians from the giant kaiju they've unleashed. But no, you know, (laughs) it's it's not part of the mission. Uh, If it's not officially on the docket, it does not go in the show. I mean, the the other important thing, too, is that the, the kaiju is wrecking all of the less well-off parts of town. I don't know if you noticed that yeah. or not, but um, it was it was. It definitely- felt like they needed to establish it wasn't as rich as the palace area. Like, and that's why they had to do it is just to show this, you know, Cuba's not a paradise. There are poor neighborhoods kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, don't you hate how all those Corto Maltesans have uh, universal health care and have already developed their own vaccine <laughs> and uh, a cure for lung cancer? Oh man, I hate that so much. Yeah, this you when you when you think about it, like the more that I'm hearing, you know, you guys talk about it, like this feels like SOS Cuba the movie. Yeah, like right, <laughs> like it, it, it was it was time to come out just as this thing which this uh um like fake um amplification of the of the cuban like anti-government counter protest like it like it it it, it felt like the same timeline as with like venezuela with the uh uh, tom clancy amazon series like there were there were both like you know uh attempts like uh, military buildup on the ground and media pressure put on these countries, but done in a very like haphazard way compared to the way these like I- international intelligence operations used to go down. Like in in like the the fifties and sixties, like U.S. was just overthrowing countries left and right, and now like you you have the whole like rollout time with you got your show coming out on the streaming service that's echoing these events that are going to be. Um, that are that are going to be uh, amplified through our media channels at this time, but you just keep seeing them like failing. Like Venezuela, nope, they couldn't overthrow Maduro. Uh, you know the the these like SOS Cuba protests, like they're able to like show a couple of fake uh, fake pictures and and uh, rallies for a couple days, but you know there's it was it was never going to like break through on the level of like some sort of like popular uprising at this point. Well, the, that that's why we need James Gunn to get in there. Start talking about how yeah we got we got to do some good old fashioned God fear and Americanisms. Let's they, let's. They also don't have any like fun with the parallels between Cordo Maltese and the U.S. because they make a big point of telling you about how these you know the the uh, El Presidente is putting every dissenting journalist in prison. 
uh, which like, you know, it's meant to be framed as, wow, this is really, really bad. But then you look at the American side and to prevent dissenting like reporters from having material, they're just genociding an entire island. <laughs> well, yeah, but we're the good guys. Yeah, so, exactly. You know, There's we're, no we're, fun we're, there. There could be fun. And they didn't explore that. You know, and maybe they will with the TV show. Again, I don't think they will, though. I don't think that their politics are going to hold up that good over the an eight-episode series. But another point for this movie that I begrudgingly have to give it is that I, I, I hate sky beams so much. I hated how the last Suicide Squad <laughs> ended with a fucking sky beam. And so the fact that we don't get a sky beam, but instead we have Starro be like this bizarre kaiju that shoots out little mini versions of itself that latch onto people's faces and gives it like a zombie quality. Uh, that's pretty original. Like as, as a third act villain, I'll give him credit for that. Wow. Well, it, the, it, the bad guy is a entity that makes everyone see things the same way and act as a community, like some <laughs> kind of communism, <laughs> if you will. Oh no. Oh no. And it uh, <laughs> s- spreads through uh, infection from a host coming past. Uh, you know, like, like, they, like at one point, I think Carly Quinn's like, cover your face. And then at, at another point, a character is like, uh, uh, whatever you do, like just, just don't like cough without putting your, like hand in front of it or some or your arm in front of it like it you could you could definitely see the the couple moments of uh of uh covid media psyop there oh totally yeah yeah Both, like, that's you know, right. obviously it's it's gonna naturally reflect whatever time it was made in but it's like i've seen over and over again in movies that come out there's like oh they they insert this little bit about oh we we have hand sanitizer here or we're covering our face or we're like wearing you know like uh like resisting uh, viral infection this way. So it's, I almost guarantee you though, like in the same way though, it also kills off a whole like sub genre of movie, you know, if they're like, well, how are they going to distribute the virus? No one's ever going to come up with a subplot of, well, they're just going to hide it in, I don't know, flu vaccines. Like no one, (laughs) no one, that plot point that they would be like, oh, well, that's so ridiculous. Of course we can use that. Like they're going to be like, nope, 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 nope. They did it in that one comic uh, movie or show that crossed over from the UK to the US. I think it was called a Utopia. And that was like the plan. And that like, it it was very unfortunate. Amazon dropped the entire season at the very beginning of COVID, if I remember correctly. And the entire (laughs) plot is about like a fake flu to get everyone to get vaccinated with the government's real, like genetic, like literally to, I think it was like ethnic cleansing. Like people would just die. You're saying that this uh, dropped at the beginning of COVID. Yeah. Like March or April, I think. Weird. weird. Almost like they were warning us about something. (laughs) (laughs) Well, did you see the thing about I am legend? People keep citing I am legend for why they're not taking the vaccine. Cause they're like, Oh yeah. Well, I am legend. It started with a vaccine. Oh, I didn't see that, but that's actually kind of cool. Also, kind of <laughs> like they miss the point of what I Am Legend is, but that's fine, I guess. You know, I mean, it's okay. like, I, I personally like, would like to be a cool rave vampire person. Like that, that, that sounds pretty fucking sweet to me because, you know, if we're talking about like the, the book version, right? An Omega Man version? Or, yeah. Uh, yeah. The I Am Legend, though. Uh, Richard Matheson, I think, was the author. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I don't know. 
the one version of like the three that exist in that <laughs> Will Smith movie, I guess, you know, uh, isn't, uh, isn't there like that Michael Bay movie coming out too, where it's just like, like it already came COVID. out. Grift. It's oh, on oh, it Hulu. Came out? Oh, it's shit. called Songbird. Oh, That's God. right. So they just, you know, no one, no one it's cared like, about it. I, I, it's I feel like COVID like, I feel like that or something. Like, yeah. I feel like, you know, people, uh, uh, the, the 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 people afraid of uh, more lockdowns and, and COVID control. Uh, I I feel like they would latch onto that as a as a as a media uh, Listen, property. Whenever I don't know. Whenever uh, the next like big like ramp up happens, and then like the next big whole like, well, we need to shut everything down. Discussion occurs. Uh, then maybe we can work on covering that movie uh, as it being topical. So that will be like, next week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna say like that's that's being rolled out like right now. Uh, see again, my Texas bias is showing. Like we are we are nowhere near that level over here uh, in in Texas, especially in Houston. Uh, I mean, people aren't even social distancing on the highway right now. Yeah, so. you you live in one of those uh, free red states. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, get her done, brother. It's okay. <laughs> we definitely love the fact that everyone's flocking here and then bitching about how we don't have infrastructure because we don't have a state tax. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, uh, they're they're just fleeing California to get away from all those like PSAs coming out from celebs being like, "We don't wash our kids, and and you shouldn't either." <laughs> I, he, we're gonna find out like a month from now. There's just a guy, and he's been selling like some kind of skincare regime to get convince all these stars to not bathe, and it's just they're just running a racket, just like Raw Water did. Oh, I see that. That's a much better theory than mine, which is that celebs already have access to sonic showers, like from Star Trek, and they're just not <laughs> telling us. And so they're like, "Yeah, no, what? We don't bathe our children at all. Uh, uh-uh, uh, uh. What?" And then instead, they just uh, are, are doing this other thing. Yeah, oh, uh, well. Grim. They're they're using a new product called body douche. <laughs> Uh, I think that also is the alternative name for a John Cena's character, probably. (laughs) (laughs) That would be a great name. Body douche. So uh, as as this third act is building, uh, Polka Dot Man is, of course, able to weaken Starro because he envisions Starro as his mom. And uh, just Polka Dot Man's powers uh, just just really kind of seem... To be a real issue. Uh, I legitimately thought, because of course he ends up getting squished, I thought that his suit was going to malfunction as he like got ate by Starro or something, and it was going to blow up Starro from the inside. That's what I thought was going to uh, happen. I liked how they gave him that little moment where he he uh, shot all the polka dots and it paid off, and he's like, I'm a superhero now, and, just, and then gets immediately crushed. That is entirely his fault. You know the movie you're in. Do not brag about yourself in any way. It is it is a death sentence. <laughs> yeah, this this irony poison vehicle is coming for your ass. <laughs> oh man. So um Star was of course weakened, and then that's when Harley Quinn decides to uh perform eye surgery on Starro for lack of better of a better word and plunge ye oldie trusty javelin right into the eye uh just just like she was a french whaler almost and um just uh rips into it and then a horde of rats end up following her 
Uh, and then they're all drowning and dying and then chewing and it's all bloody and uh, weirdly beautifully shot. It, it was one of those no- notes I had where I was like, if I just saw this out of context, I would think like, what odd beach scene is going on with all these rats chewing coral? What's happening here? But uh, no, instead it was pretty horrifying. Yeah, uh, many rats in your eye. That's like one of the worst ways you could go out. Multitudes of rats just uh, going inside. I don't know. Uh, it doesn't seem good. So then, of course, the uh, Suicide Squad, they, they win. Castaro dies. The Corto Maltese military coup is re-overthrown, and the people take control. They're able to have their first free election in 90 years. Oh, Wow. I wonder what other country has been under strict regime change in a close South American island close to the U.S. that the U.S. has had issue with for almost 90 years. Huh. Uh, uh, yeah, this is absolutely why this movie came out when it did, because they expected in 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 the uh, intelligence communities like uh, sort of like plan, then the the. Um, counter uh, government protests would have taken off. And then this would have only fueled uh, the, um, you know, mindset of the American people to support American intervention. But, you know, they, they, they don't have the same magic. They can't really pull off those tricks anymore. So by now the, the Cuban protests have, have fizzled out and, and sort of like this movie's released at the time it does just remains to us to like, you know, pick over the bones here. We're about a week away from seeing like some GIs with starfish on their face and calling it Havana syndrome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the gusano strain. <laughs> <laughs> That's a slur, sir. Yeah. <laughs> go uh, go search uh, gusano at grift.shop. Uh, all proceeds oh, yeah. all, all 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 profits um benefit the uh covid response hampered by the embargo. Hell yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the movie then kind of very quickly wraps up. Bloodsport uses the drive as a, a bargaining chip for Waller to release the surviving members of the Suicide Squad. So, yay, they can all spin off into whatever movies they want. Uh, and then they get airlifted out of Quarter Maltese. So, huzzah, that the movie is over, all, all the tangents aside. So uh, uh, now we get to the, the rating system of how many trash cans. I'll also add, uh, how, is there anyone you want to see back in the sequel? Grift, I'm going to throw it to you first. Um, I'd actually be interested to see what, that, what um, angles that Peacemaker TV series takes. Cause I, it, you know, there, there, there could be potential for some good, uh, good satire and uh, you know, uh, how, however much a movie's political uh, takes actually matters. Uh, you could, you know, it, it could, oh, could move things in the right direction, but so like, I, I, you know, he's probably the, the breakout character just from those, uh, memes that are floating around about, you know, him doing these, uh, uh, quips about, you know, critiquing American empire, even though I think we probably established that this movie does anything, but, and if it does, it does it on the most like surface level, um, like level so i'd say like as a movie like for as far as like cape shit goes i'd say like this this is like a one trash can for me like i actually enjoyed this i thought it was a good use of the um of the uh merger of the dc aesthetics and visuals with the um marvel uh sort of script writing and, sure. and 
character beats and and uh the 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 style there um but as far as like the the panopticon meter goes i'm giving this uh three and a half eyeballs uh <laughs> I, I you know just the 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 timing with the sos cuba thing is just too suspect and uh i, I do appreciate this uh this through line that has been pulled from yeah. this. this is great so uh it works out incredibly well uh grim what about yourself you know what i would honestly go all the way up to three um hell yeah i had a big problem with uh well i had so many different problems a big one was like the mookification of all the baddies is once they got past that very first scene there was zero threat from any baddie ever and when they're going through that camp in the beginning and the whole silent uh thing it, it felt very weird no one was actually spotting them or it, it all just felt weird no one was a real person other than the president and the general and the suicide squad yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I I totally agree with you there. Like when you when you think about it, the only people they fought were just either uh, unarmed civilians or soldiers that like didn't know, know how to use their weapons. Like they were they would just sort of stand there and get acted on. Like <laughs> I almost think it's like an editing thing. Like they didn't have enough react. They had like longer than normal reaction times. If that makes sense, it felt very odd. It's I I think part of that was James Gunn trying to lean into the comic book aesthetic, and so where then like each frame of uh, you know the splash page, if you will, of the scene lingers for about a second longer probably than it should, uh, because he's trying to have it be that colorful bit of imagery. Uh, for me, I, I gave this two trash cans, so I'm, I'm right down in the middle between y'all. Um, Again, I think the the mechanics of it are, are all very solid. I think that there's a lot of uh, positive things to this particular movie, but I really do think that um, this is the first roller coaster style superhero ride uh, of a movie that DC has figured out how to make. And so I think that now that the formula has been made, we're going to see a bunch of different versions of it start to creep up and take place. And so uh, I think it's going to inspire a lot of three and four trash can movies in the future. No, most notably, of course, being The Rock starring as Black Adam in the Black Adam movie that is directed by the guy who did Jungle Cruise. So congrats, everyone. We get to look forward to that. It's just how many more of these movies can they make? Like it, it's just. I got real uh, sad news for you, Chris. I, I know, but it, it's just fucking ridiculous. Like, when are people gonna get sick of this shit? I, I, I mean, you know, how long are they gonna keep on being like fourteen-year-olds? Because you know. Well, and also how they only have to go on for so long before that's all movies are, and there's an entire generation who hasn't been raised with movies other than that as kind of the mainstream. Like that's and, something to keep then, in mind. It, it's gonna be like westerns. Uh, where everything eventually became westerns, and then finally, yes, uh, it, you know, it, it, we were able to break free of the mold of westerns. But it wasn't all at once. Eventually, it was just like, well, and then now there's one non-western, then two, then three, then four, etc. But uh, yeah, it's 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 a brutal landscape right now. So I'm glad that we can close out this season of the of the show talking about this movie it's a it's a pretty nice note to end on uh of course we'll be back next week with a slightly revised format uh we'll be explaining all of that to y'all next week so uh uh there's a quick teaser for that but let's get into plugs right now grim what is going on in your world 
Well, uh, I'm working on the greatest depression, uh, Mike, it's going to be a targeted podcast with a focus on each episode going in a deep dive in something in the great depression. Uh, it's looking like the first episode, which is going to be the first one, uh, the first one completely researched is going to be on the bonus army since that's such a popular topic. People kind of are vaguely aware of it, but I'm going to get you in an hour. You're going to be an expert on the bonus army. That's my goal. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely looking forward to checking that out. And I like, I, that, that's just such an incredibly uh, like relevant topic now that, you know, it, it, it seems like we're sort of heading into similar territory. Um, so like, yeah, you know, I can't really think of a popular media source that really like tells people that story in a, in a, you know, digestible way. So I, you know, I think that could, could really serve a purpose there. Yep. That's going to be the focus. And it's the whole goal is going to be making it uh, digestible and really compact. I do not want to do a three hour straight episode. That is just me uh, ranting. It's going to be, there's going to be some production involved. Hell yeah, dude. I'm, I'm awesome. definitely going to put that one on my list for sure. Very cool. And then uh, Grift, what's happening in the shop? What's upcoming next? Uh, we got uh, we got the FedPost collab currently out. Uh, if you if you see the shop, it has been uh, transformed into into the Fed shop. Uh, so you can you can you can go <laughs> check that out on the the main page and, and in the pop up shop. Uh, I think we'll probably run this one a couple weeks. Uh, people people nice. seem to be really liking the uh, uh, Richard Nixon in a Kufi design. Uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're doing some revisionist history. He did nothing wrong. Um, there's, there's, some, <laughs> there's some, there's some overlap with the, uh, Caucasian worshipers of Yacoub. Um, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, we're, so yeah, um, we're probably going to have that up one the, up there for a little while. So yeah, griff.shop, check it out. Hell yeah, dude. Again, alternative history. It's always it's always a good thing. Uh, for the actual podcast itself, of course, you can find us on Twitter and Letterboxd at Giga Podcast. Also, you know, if you want to uh, check us out on TikTok, I think I found like a new posting formula that isn't going to be successful, but it at least is going to be slightly creatively fulfilling there. So find us there at Giga Podcast, G-I-G-O Podcast. Uh, follow us on Spotify if you're not already following us there. We are so close to 100 followers on Spotify, and it would mean the world because that is the metric that only matters to me. Five-star reviews on iTunes are good, but followers on Spotify are even better. Uh, with that in mind, I, I am happy to close the book on this season. Uh, looking forward to starting off next week. Uh, let's say goodbye, everyone. Peace. Peace. Deuces. Peace.